want to know what it is. The climate crisis is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the, the climate, climate charter, charter pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is this is this is your last chance. Do you want to know what it is? Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. The truth. Nothing. 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 Right now, in the streets of El Paso, something groundbreaking is happening. Dozens of activists and organizers are knocking on doors, hitting up farmers markets, and canvassing at concerts to collect signatures for a political program that aims to fundamentally shift the power structure of local government. This political program will shut down polluting fossil fuel infrastructure conserve water, and create climate jobs. No, we're not talking about getting a politician elected. We are talking about the El Paso Climate Charter Ballot Initiative. The exciting part about the Climate Charter Ballot Initiative is that it bypasses our politicians locally. It does not require the permission of Greg Abbott at the state level, nor the permission of Joe Biden or Joe Manchin at the federal level. It is direct democracy. If enough voters want it, then it will become a reality. A policy which transitions our electric grid to clean renewable energy, which creates climate jobs, and which conserves our desert region water is within our grasp. It's only 35,000 signatures away. But why should we consider this massive global climate crisis through the local lens of El Paso? How have local environmental movements fought for climate justice in the past? What is the context behind the Climate Charter? And why is it an effective strategy to fight for? Welcome to this podcast series we're calling Direct Climate Democracy Radio. In a series of episodes in the coming weeks, we aim to answer these questions. We'll aim to provide political education regarding the material conditions which surround us. We will also recount some of the story of our local climate movement, which leads us to this important crossroads of El Paso history, the Climate Charter Ballot Initiative. This is the first of three chapters which lay the groundwork for this context. After that, we plan to release weekly segments to provide updates and relevant information about the signature gathering campaign. Welcome to part one of our story, an episode we call Fossil Fuel Dictatorship in El Paso. El Paso has some of the worst air quality in the country. Many of us either have asthma or know someone who does. That's no coincidence. Ozone, or smog, is a pollutant created by emissions of volatile organic compounds, or VOCs, and nitrous oxides. The American Lung Association ranks El Paso as the country's 13th worst city for ozone pollution, 
top-topping places such as New York City and Dallas-Fort Worth. This pollution is largely caused by El Paso's flawed transportation design, which prioritizes fossil fuel cars and trucks over health and walkability. Additionally, two industrial sites drive ozone pollution to dangerous levels. First, the El Paso Newman gas plant owned by El Paso Electric, and second, the Marathon oil refinery. It's not an exaggeration to say that our sky has been poisoned. This pollution increases risk of respiratory infections like COVID-19, aggravates asthma, harms the central nervous system, causes reproductive and developmental harm, and even triggers premature deaths. Research from New York University and the American Thoracic Society shows that ozone pollution causes about 18 premature deaths, 53 emergency room visits, and over 60,000 missed work or school days in our region each year. Contrary to what fossil fuel corporations would want us to believe, this pollution is not a result of shortcomings of individuals' consumer choice. El Paso's unhealthy levels of pollution are the result of a small group of corporations deciding to prioritize profits over community health. Reading from a 2022 El Paso Times article, Marathon Oil is the top emitter of particulate matter pollution PM10. In 2020, the Marathon Refinery reported 4,008 pounds of illegal air pollution, the highest total in El Paso. In 2019, the refinery emitted 5,480 pounds of illegal air pollution. The most recent illegal emissions event was in November 2021. The Familias Unidas del Chamizal Community Organization has spent years fighting air pollution levels. NBC News covered the Familias Unidas struggle in a news segment. I think we deserve to be able to have a community. We also des deserve to have clean air, safe playgrounds. They should not treat our community that Chamisal is like a big ground. We have a right to be here. The community has a right to stay. Barrio Chamisal, a neighborhood in South Central El Paso, Texas, is home to nearly 8,000 people. Over 96% of them are Hispanic. From here, you can see Mexico right on the other side of the border. A lot of the, the families that live here are single women with their children. They left their moms, their grandparents with that illusion of the American dream. It's a dream Hilda Villegas and other mothers in the community say is quickly destroyed by ozone pollution, better known as smog. The American Lung Association ranks El Paso as the country's 13th worst city for ozone pollution, topping places like New York and Dallas. I think one of the most sort of visual uh, environmental violations that you see is the Western Refinery, now Marathon Refinery. We literally are bordered by the I-10, the railroad, an industrial zone with border highway, the uh, international bridge. Literally my children's school, the backyard is a metal battery and electronic industrial waste recycling facility. These mothers organized together in a group called Familias Unidas del Chamizal, or United Families of the Chamizal. In 2018, the group, along with a coalition of other environmental and community organizations, sued the United States Environmental Mental Protection Agency. What were you hoping to get out of suing the EPA back in 2018? 
Well, we wanted them to 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 follow the science. They demanded the agency reassess the air quality in El Paso and enforce the Clean Air Act, which regulates emissions of hazardous air pollutants. The court sided with the community. In November, the EPA changed the city's designation so new sources of pollution must be regulated. Less than two months later, the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality appealed that decision, saying nearby areas of Mexico are the primary cause of ozone levels in El Paso. They really have a mindset of um, a fighting regulation instead of a fighting pollution. I feel so outraged and so undignified that these institutions, that these governmental entities like TCQ, State entities are not advocating for the interest of our children and us. We reached out to the TCEQ. They told us that they've been monitoring the air in the Chamisal since 1988 and that there's no indication the levels of toxic chemicals there cause serious consequences for children's or adults' health. But Semeli de Aztlan says the TCEQ does not accurately measure the air quality in their community since the only air monitor there is located inside a park. Amongst trees, that's not where people are living. That's literally a protected federal space. A study from a coalition of advocacy groups shows that Latino communities across the country are facing similar challenges. 1.8 million Latinos live less than a mile from a refinery, from an oil and gas facility. They breathe in this air every single day. The CDC says ozone pollution is associated with many health problems, including respiratory problems, asthma, and increases in premature deaths. Mainly respiratory illnesses. This is a, a very valid concern from those mothers. To people who think, why don't you just pick up and go somewhere else? What would you say to them? People have a right to exist in their communities. It's disheartening. Um, but it's even more of a reason to continue organizing. It's not just about me as a mom and my children. Somos hermanas, son nuestros hijos en el chamizal. As for El Paso's contribution to climate change, the corporation which owns our community's electric grid bears the brunt of this culpability. Every year, El Paso Electric's gas plants can emit a whopping 2,675,386 metric tons of carbon dioxide emissions. For context, globally, the average person's yearly carbon footprint is around 4 tons. Two and a half million metric tons of carbon dioxide is an infuriating amount of emissions, enough to set our hair on fire. Even more outrageous is the fact that El Paso's grid easily has the potential to plunge its CO2 ton emissions to zero. According to the World Meteorological Organization, El Paso is the 10th sunniest city in the entire planet. Yet, tragically, El Paso Electric limits our grid's solar and renewable energy production to only 5%. The majority of energy is instead sourced from dirty, climate-destroying fracking. Or to use the oil and gas industry's sloganeering, quote, natural gas. 
And this isn't any fracked gas. It is gas sourced from the Permian Basin oil and gas shale a couple of hours to our east. Many of us have relatives who work in the oil fields in Midland and Odessa. We will explore the importance of the Permian Basin later in the podcast. So can El Paso's energy demands be met with 100% clean, renewable energy? The answer is a simple yes. Renowned climate engineer Mark C. Jacobson has even submitted a letter to the El Paso City Council, highlighting the fact that El Paso's clean energy potential is being utterly wasted. Quoting from the letter, he says, I am a professor of civil and environmental engineering at Stanford University. I specialize in developing 100% clean, renewable energy plants for cities, states, and countries. I am writing today because we recently completed a study on how to transition Texas to 100% clean, renewable wind, water, solar energy for all energy purposes, including electricity, transportation, building energy, and industry, while keeping the grid stable, even during extreme weather events. The net result is that a transition to 100% wind, water, solar energy not only keeps the grid stable every 30 seconds for the two years simulated in the study, but does so while creating numerous jobs, eliminating air pollution deaths from energy, and reducing annual energy costs to consumers by the order of 50% compared with a business-as-usual fossil fuel case. If more natural gas is built, it will increase costs and produce fewer jobs than if El Paso and Texas transition to 100% clean, renewable wind, water, and solar energy. I urge you to consider building only wind, water, and solar energy and storage in the future. End quote. Our community has the opportunity to easily transition to clean renewable energy, which would reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Shifting to renewables would also improve our health and reduce the amount of suffering we face. But why don't we? Why is it that fracked gas from the Permian Basin continues to be the primary source of our electricity? We are all familiar with the necessary concept of public property. You don't have to be full-on communist to understand that certain sectors of life will decay into ruin if left to the control of private corporations, which prioritize profit over people, health, and the environment. Inversely, it is common sense that many sectors of life, such as parks, streets, schools, and healthcare, thrive when they are under public democratic control. Energy is one of the most important aspects of our daily practical lives. We need electricity to survive. It is a human right. Unfortunately, El Paso's electricity is not under public democratic control. Our energy is dominated by a private corporation that prioritizes profit over health. As a result, bigwig bosses and millionaire investors profit tremendously, while the general public and working class is disproportionately overburdened by the utility's electric bill prices and punishment of rooftop solar usage. El Paso's electricity is not only privatized, it's hyper-privatized. The owners of our electric grid are called El Paso Electric Company, they have designed an ingenious system to extract wealth from our community at the expense of our freedom 
and at the expense of the climate. Here, we read from the public testimony of Jack McDonald, Texas field analyst for Earthworks. I quote, The city of El Paso's relationship with its electric utility is a bit of an oddity in Texas. For most of the rest of the state, excluding El Paso, the grid was deregulated in 2002 under Senate Bill 7. That deregulation of the Texas grid has been making national news over the past few weeks as Texas grapples with the fallout from the winter storm. SB7 and the subsequent deregulation created a system where consumers could choose who they patronized to get their electricity. The idea was that the free market would act as a check to control rates. Abuse from for-profit utility companies would be checked by the risk of losing consumers. For instance, if in Dallas a utility company drives up their rates, consumers can simply switch to another utility company. However, this system did not apply to every municipality in Texas. Cities that had municipal-owned utilities or co-ops were exempt from consumer choice. This decision was made because municipal-owned utilities and co-ops are not for-profit and are controlled by the citizens whom they provide energy to. Therefore, the free market check on abuse was not necessary. Those two systems are dominant in Texas. For nearly the entire state, consumers either get their power from a municipal-owned utility, Muni, or co-op, or get their power from a private company and can switch if they are unhappy. This is not the case in only two major cities in Texas, El Paso and Amarillo. Both of these cities had their systems grandfathered into avoid deregulation. This means that the people of El Paso are forced to engage with El Paso Electric, a for-profit company. If someone is unhappy, they cannot simply switch to another provider. Thus, there is no market incentive to stop El Paso Electric from abusing its monopoly on the people of El Paso. Nor is El Paso Electric a co-op or muni, where the people ultimately make decisions. In the rest of the state, consumers can express their displeasure with a utility either by directly making changes, in the case of a co-op or muni, or by switching providers. In El Paso, no such outlets exist. The people of El Paso are solely reliant on the El Paso City Council to ensure that El Paso Electric makes decisions that are for the benefit of the people of El Paso and not just their shareholders. As this testimony demonstrates, El Pasoans are essentially hostages to our electric grid. El Paso Electric Company functions as an energy tyrant, and a profitable one at that. Each year, El Paso Electric takes in a profit margin of about $350 million, and a revenue of about $860 million. For context, El Paso Electric yearly profits as much as one-third of the total budget of El Paso's local government. Because EPE is both a monopoly and a profit corporation, this corporate profit is guaranteed and extracted from the labor of all El Pasoans paying their electric bills. How could the city of El Paso benefit if we had $350 million every year to invest in schools, health, jobs, and social services.
El Paso Electric also extracts wealth from their own employees. El Paso Electric has about 1,100 employees and the revenue per employee ratio is $783,630. El Paso Electric is an energy dictator, a corporate parasite. This is why in 2019, they piqued the interest of the world's most powerful mega bank. September of 2019 was the birth of Sunrise El Paso. A group of local young climate advocates worked together to organize a climate strike at Memorial Park. Over a hundred El Pasoans gathered and listened to a wide variety of local activists discussing the important intersections of climate justice, how it relates to immigration, militarism, and the political program of the Green New Deal. Just one month later, on October 2019, journalist David Dayton from the media outlet The American Prospect published an article entitled, quote, J.P. Morgan gets back into the electricity business. In El Paso, Texas, electric utility is being purchased by an investment fund with deep undisclosed ties to the big bank. Dayton writes the following in the article. Megabank J.P. Morgan Chase, years after being fined over $400 million for manipulating energy markets, is effectively purchasing an electric utility in El Paso, Texas laundered through an allegedly independent investment fund. The quote, owners of the fund appear not to be owners at all, but members of its board of directors, all of whom have ties to JP Morgan. This news came as a shock for all of us at Sunrise. One of the most powerful banks setting its sights on the electric grid of our community? Why? This was not an innocent bank either. JP Morgan is the largest investor of fossil fuel projects. From tar sands to pipelines to fracking, they're funding the climate crisis and we're now implementing shady business structures to dominate our electricity. It became evident that as a climate justice organization, the focus of our efforts needed to be on this JP Morgan buyout. So we created an educational video outlining the reasons why we opposed this. A Wall Street corporation is trying to buy out our community's electric utility through a private equity fund named Infrastructure Investment Fund, or IIF. Despite their secretive tactics and non-transparent proposal, uh, it has been conclusively uh, proven that the IIF is in fact a shell company for JP Morgan, the world's sixth largest bank. Here's why we oppose JP Morgan's proposed sale of El Paso Electric. 
and why we're calling for city council to explore making our electric utility city owned like 72 other cities within Texas and many other cities throughout the United States. Private equity funds are not structured to be in the public interest. They're designed to benefit wealthy stockholders at the expense of average citizens. This means that if the proposed purchase of El Paso Electric goes through, despite the claims of IIF, El Pasoans could be facing a bankrupt electricity company, massive layoffs, and spiked electricity prices. Private equity funds equal massive profits for wealthy stockholders and bankruptcy for local communities. In 2007, a private equity fund known as Energy Future Holdings bought out Texas's largest electric utility called TXU Energy. It was one of the largest leveraged buyouts ever in the United States, and just seven years later, it turned out to be one of the worst bankruptcies in U.S. history, second only to Enron's bankruptcy in the early 2000s. J.P. Morgan IIF is already using a complicated ownership chain as a vehicle to increase their leverage in the purchase through debt financing, which adds a tremendous amount of financial risk, as evidenced by the huge fallout of energy future holdings. Bottom line is, we cannot trust J.P. Morgan to run our utility company with integrity. In the past, J.P. Morgan has been forced to pay over $38 billion in fines for illegally manipulating markets. Most notably, J.P. Morgan was forced to pay $410 million for manipulating electric markets in California and Michigan. The market manipulation performed by J.P. Morgan yielded in about $125 million of unjust profits. J.P. Morgan is one of the main drivers of the climate crisis. The Wall Street Bank is one of the top financiers in fossil fuel infrastructure within the United States investing in $75 billion in environmentally destructive projects globally. From tar sand extraction in Canada to Arctic oil drilling to fracking in the Permian Basin, J.P. Morgan has demonstrated a blatant disregard for a climate crisis, therefore cannot be trusted to manage our cities transition to clean, renewable energy. Less democracy means less possibility for a clean energy future. An electric utility system controlled by a private equity fund means that the El Paso community will leave virtually no democratic voice in determining the city's energy policies. Since a private equity fund is specifically designed to extract short-term profit, the buyout will make it nearly impossible to enact climate justice energy policy that prioritizes the people of El Paso, the environment, and long-term prosperity over profit. J.P. Morgan wants to profit from the environmentally destructive fracking industry. Texas Permian Basin is one of the most fracked regions in the entire world. Fracking is a destructive method of extracting natural gas that causes contamination to local water supply, soil, and air quality. It also majorly contributes to the climate crisis by emitting methane, a greenhouse gas that is about 24 times more potent than carbon dioxide. El Paso Electric has part of this region in its service territory, and JP Morgan has previously invested in the fossil fuel industry in this region with obvious incentive to see this region grow. Tyson Slocum, Energy Director of Consumer Advocacy Group, a public citizen, puts it this way. Fracking is power hungry. You're hooking up a jet engine to force chemicals and water into shale formation. El Paso Electric is in a good geographic position to become a pure utility for the Permian. For-profit electric utilities discourage rooftop solar panels. 
Sunrise El Paso organizers conducted an interview with Tyson Slocum. Slocum explained a basic conflict of incentives between for-profit electric utilities and rooftop solar panels. For-profit electric utilities are incentivized to increase their paying customer base. Rooftop solar panels, while being good for the environment, do not help the profit margins of these privatized electric utilities. We need you to stand with us and lend your voice to stop the sale of our electric company. December 10th at 9 a.m., City Council will have a chance to vote no for the first time on this deal. Please join us in this fight to protect your city's future. We deserve better, and together we can achieve it. For more important updates, please make sure that you follow us on Instagram at sunrise underscore El Paso, and also follow us on Facebook at Sunrise El Paso. A group of young climate organizers were attempting to break up a $4.3 billion merger. We knew it was an uphill battle, but we also knew that victory was a possibility. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, El Paso Electric is a unique corporate beast. They're both monopolized and a for-profit business. Yet, as part of this agreement, it is the legal duty of the city of El Paso to push back against the utility when they're over-exploiting our city. In summary, the elected representatives of City Council are the only thing standing in between the people of El Paso and the extraction of El Paso Electric. The community fought hard against the J.P. Morgan merger. We held community meetings to inform the public. We regularly protested at City Council meetings. We held actions with banners, and we presented research to our elected officials the nice way, like visiting their offices and presenting facts, data, and legal citations. When we were ignored, we disrupted El Paso electric meetings until the cops kicked us out. Why did we work so hard? It was not only because of the existential threat to the climate that J.P. Morgan presented. It was also because our city government had the power to fight back. As part of our work to inform our own city council about the merger, we drafted and submitted a document entitled Energy Manifesto for the People and the Planet. In it, we wrote, you have the absolute power to reject this entire deal should you choose to exercise your right on behalf of the people of El Paso. We regret to inform you that you have been misled by your city staff of attorneys and JP Morgan lobbyists, all of which stand to benefit from this deal. You have been misled through direct deceit and through omission of information. We hope this fact sheet serves as useful information and as a guide for an extremely important issue in our community with generational consequences. The document went on to outline key legal provisions which city council members could use as leverage against JP Morgan. We discussed city leverage based on their franchise agreement or business contract between El Paso Electric. We discuss the importance of a right to purchase provision. We discuss how a month-to-month -month agreement with JP Morgan was much more beneficial to the public than the long-term 40-year commitment JP Morgan was ramming through. City Council ignored us. With a 6-3 to three vote in favor of approving the JP Morgan buyout, our electric grid was sold off to one of the worst corporate actors in history. We learned a tough reality during this fight. 
Our elected officials were bought out by big business. That is to be expected. What was even worse was our learning that the bureaucratic system of the city of El Paso overwhelmingly served as defenders of El Paso Electric Company. Carla Neiman, the El Paso city attorney, and the city manager, Tommy Gonzalez, for example, spoke in a way that was virtually indistinguishable from J.P. Morgan and El Paso Electric lobbyists. In short, we experienced firsthand the ugly truth. Our city government is captured by El Paso Electric interests. The project of the El Paso Climate Charter is based on this understanding. Addressing the fossil fuel crisis locally will require our city government to tackle El Paso Electric Company directly and aggressively. And the city won't do this unless there's a radical, fundamental shift in our municipal government. That is where the climate charter comes in. As we discussed at the top of this episode, the climate charter is much more than a local ordinance or law. It is a revision of El Paso's city charter, the legal constitution which directs every level of local municipal governance. It is the equivalent of a dynamite explosion in our city's legal structure. It will open a door for El Paso's climate movement to win power against polluters which are contaminating our lungs and fueling the climate crisis. But we have to fight for it. Next episode of this three-part story is called The Violence of Newman Six. Here, we will describe what other monumentally important local climate development happened recently. Thank you for listening to this episode. We have covered how the fight for the climate is a struggle which is happening here in El Paso, but we need your help. By May 31st, we need to gain around 35,000 signatures to support the climate charter in order to get this policy on the ballot by November. Now that you've finished this episode, we ask you to please sign the climate charter, which you can find at bit.ly slash ep climate charter that is bit dot ly slash ep climate charter we ask you to sign up as a volunteer to help us gain more signatures and you can get plugged into our volunteer program called the climate charter victory network for more information please follow us on instagram and twitter and facebook at sunrise el paso and climate El Paso. Until next time, with love and rage.